The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneur Show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. You're listening to the Startup Secret Show for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, John North, and my very special guest today is David Jennings, who's the co-founder and, um, I guess, strategy director of a new thing called Systemology. So welcome to the show. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, John. Looking forward to it. Cool. Um, so, and we talked a little bit beforehand about this. I think um, and it's probably one of my nice little wheelhouse things is about systems processes and making sure that your businesses can scale. And that's all kind of what we talk about on the show anyway, how to scale a business. So um, give me a little bit of background on where you got to, because I know you've written a couple of books on stuff. You, you, you originally ran a CO um, yeah. agency, which I'm assuming that probably a lot of the stuff you realize that people don't have systems or processes. So you send them a big stack of business and they then burn the customer, right? <laughs> 100%. And especially digital agencies, they can't help themselves because they're great at marketing. So they overpromise. And the salesperson sells the world. And then when it comes to delivery, they're usually pretty poor on delivery. So they're oftentimes in that space because they don't have the back end or the systems in place to, to deliver to the, the level that they promise. They're just in the churn and burn game. Um, but, but systems actually are not having systems and processes documented. When you go back to it, are the root of just about every problem that businesses have is not being clear on the way a system or a process or something in their business is getting complete. Yeah, no, it's important. I think, and um, I guess, I guess we can talk about the avatar of, of where you sit when you, you know, when do you document your system? Because I used to people used to say, oh, when you got a lot of staff and you got a big business, then document your system. And by then, it's usually way too late because no yeah. one. Like, I actually tried this when I had twenty three staff. No one will write any systems down. They actually yeah. like you get, and they'll never do it. So you end up in a situation. They won't follow a system anyway because they actually were hired beforehand. So I think getting it right at the first stages is good. But when do you start it? Like, do you start it when you're a one-man show? Do you do you wait till you got one employee? What do you, what do you think is the best way to kind of yeah. do it? It's definitely, I mean, that shows uh, your astute understanding of systems and processes because you hit on a couple of key points that is very common for those trying to insert systems into a business later on where you haven't built the culture. This is not how we do things. And your staff goes... I've always done it this way. Why do we need to change? Why am I going to document my processes? So um, part of it is uh, firstly, the business owner recognizing that the business isn't going to scale without having some form of systems and processes. The business needs to be able to deliver the core product or service and not be person dependent, whether that's the business owner or any other team member. So that's like a, a critical thing. The next thing that um, a business owner needs to recognize is that uh, they might not be a systems person. Oftentimes business owners, founders, 
You know, they're the visionary, the creative, the big picture thinker. They got the business off the ground and they moved quickly and solved clients' problems. They weren't doing systems and processes and documenting the way that they do things. And oftentimes they don't even like that. Like that's not in their wheelhouse. That's what makes it such a blind spot for startup entrepreneurs because there's this transition that happens. If you really want to grow and scale, it can't be person dependent. The only way for that to happen is to identify, well, what is my way or our way of doing things? And then having that captured in a central location that makes it possible for team members to come in behind and follow the process and deliver that task and give the appropriate output or deliverable to the standard that you've pre-decided, um, that, that is the only way to scale. It is a bridge that all businesses must cross if you want to scale. So once you kind of get that, then you start to think about, well, if I'm not a systems person and I know how important they are, how can I approach this differently? Like maybe I've got some preconceptions or notions about systems and processes that need to be challenged. Like, do I need to be the one that creates the systems? Do systems remove creativity when you put them in place? Because that's a common misconception. People think, well, if I systemize, I'm going to remove the creativity and, Mm. or I'm going to put systems in place and my team won't follow them anyway, or they think, these systems are going to have to be overly complex. And oftentimes a lot of this baggage comes from what they think a system is. Mm. They might go, oh, well, you know, if I say what is a systemized business, oftentimes the first one that comes to mind is something like a McDonald's or a Subway or a franchised business. And those businesses, McDonald's is a great example, has been systemizing for 60 years. Yes. And then people look at the- Quite good outcome. at it, right? <laughs> yeah, quite good at it. And exactly right. And they look at where they are right now and they look at McDonald's University and think about all these in-depth processes that are written for 15-year-old kids with zero work experience. And they think, I have to create a system like that? I don't even like systems. It's funny, isn't it, with McDonald's, though? They said McDonald's is able to get a 15-year-old to do what they're told. (laughs) Of course, that's going to take quite a bit of magic. Make it happen. So Lots of burgers, maybe I don't know. <laughs> try, trying to think that that's where you would start. Mm. That's oftentimes where a lot of people go wrong. I think the first thing is the business owner has to really understand this is the way. Then they need to understand that this is not a one and done scenario. This is a cultural shift that needs to happen in your company and you need to lead the charge as the business owner. But then you need to empower your staff. And oftentimes the business owner is the worst person to be doing the documentation. Mm-hmm. You, one little tip that uh, we do is, is we say it's a two-person job. You've got the person with the knowledge and you record them doing the task. Yeah. And then you have a separate person who's the documenter who might go through and pull out the key bullet points and steps and makes it easier for someone to follow that task next time. And that's, I mean, I've talked a little bit about I've got these seven steps in my book, Systemology. You touched on it right at the start. Um, the, The whole idea is the first step is when do you start and what systems do you start with? Um, and that's, I mean, we can dig into which systems come first, but as far as like when I, I, I like to think that you're, you're not going to create detailed how to documents 
if it's just you and you're a solopreneur doing all of the work, like you're not going to get any leverage from that. That's not to say that you can't have a bullet point step-by-step step to remind you, here's how I do things. Like a checklist. I think a checklist. checklist. I used to, like I think that I used to gamify it when I used to do it myself because basically what I do is I go, every time I write this, is a job I can get out of doing next time. <laughs> right? I love so that it. was always my kind of motivation. It's like, if I can write this up well enough that if someone else can follow, I can get out of doing this. See, that that is spot on. And, and also when you do it and you're just in startup mode, those systems will change and be organic. You'll do it, follow the checklist the first time, and then you go, I don't need that step. Oh, I need to add this extra step. And just doing it very simply, like if it's just you, I would try and say as simple as possible. Maybe it's just a screen recording. It might be a loom that you just catalog somewhere into a central location. That might be enough. Don't over-engineer as you as you're getting started. Yeah. Once you grow and you get a few team members, you've got an admin assistant or you've got some other people on your team that you work with, then that the extra documentation might come in. That admin assistant, part of their task might be to watch this video and add some extra detail to this system or process. And as they do that, they learn how to do the process. And then we can say to them, great. Now, do you think you could do that process? And it's a great sort of passing of the baton and it gets the business owner out of the idea that they need to be doing the documenting. Like yeah. I, I always go, some people just don't like documenting and the business owner is usually one of them. Don't you do another stuff, right? So at the end of the day, like, yeah. like it's an interesting thing I used to have in my business when we had like 23 staff, I had this concept that I should write a book about it called the, the empty tray syndrome. Yes. Yeah. So what would happen is you'd hire a new staff member and, and back in the day when you actually had a tray rather than a computer sometimes, like I'm showing my age a bit here, um, is that you'd put a tray in their, on their desk and, and then people put stuff in their tray, right, to do, to do things. And so you'd walk past their desk the day one and there's trays empty and there's nothing there and they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs. Come back in two weeks' time, the tray's overflowing and I ask them to do something, they, got to, they haven't got time to do it. So I'm too much, I've got too much work to do. I'm like, so what happened there exactly? It's like everybody just dumped everything on them. They didn't have a plan. And then suddenly this become an extra staff member that just got sucked into the void. Yeah. Right? And, and I think today's modern age is it's really cool because of the likes of, you know, outsourcing, upwork, all those sort of things. <clears throat> you can just hire one person to do one job. Yeah. And then they don't give any other jobs, right? And they have to do it then. It's not like you've got any other choice. And if they don't do it, they don't get paid. So then you actually force the issue. And I yes. Mean, it's a lot easier to kind of do that than it is to try and make an existing staff member suddenly become the person responsible for documenting all this stuff that never does it because they're too busy with their tray. <laughs> 100%. And, and the bigger you get, the harder it becomes because everybody gets stuck in their ways. Mm. But once you get some systems and processes in place and then you have a new hire, and they might have had an onboarding system that they went through and they learned about the way that you do things and here are the handful of systems you're going to follow. From day dot, that's all they ever know. So the resistance to this approach is very, very low. It's only the legacy team members that you might have a challenge with sometimes when you're introducing systems and processes. And the business owner thinks, well, I don't like systems and processes. And then they project that onto the team member and think, well, they mustn't like them. Mm. Yet... What you'll actually find is a lot of A players, great team members, like at least a framework or to understand what's expected so they know how they can win the game. Mm. So they actually like a little bit of structure, not maybe down to the point of explaining how that 15-year-old flips the hamburger, but at least even a great team member wants to know, hey, here's a checklist I can follow, here's a process. 
And also so, what other people do around them. So sometimes it's like, well, I've done this bit, what happens next kind of thing because there might be a sales guy asking a question. So what happens next? So yep. it just becomes a simple kind of information thing in some case. So the, the first step in the systemology process, and it's the idea of how do you figure out what are the 10 to 15 systems, and it speaks exactly to what you're talking about. If you identify this flow and you know what happens before you and what's happening after you, it makes you more responsible on your job because now you're, you know, hey, I've got to set this up correctly because James is going to hop in after me and he's needing to do his task. And if I've poorly executed my piece, I'm making James's step harder. Mm, so yes. there's definitely understanding this accountability. So I, I developed this thing I call the critical client flow and it just answers the question, well, what are the 10 to 15 systems that you should start with? And it's about mapping the customer and business journey to deliver a core product or service. So you start off and you say- service is the biggest part, right? If you screw up the customer service, that's going to affect you dramatically. No, exactly. Exactly. I wrote up a, just, I'll get you to explain that. So one of the things, interesting things, I don't know whether you try this at all, but what we used to do is for early days, we wrote up an exception register. So every time something went wrong in the business, we'd write it down. There was no body was uh, ups, uh, you know, got in trouble over it and then put a value on it. Yes. And we had a situation where we had a software company that had completely buggy software. It was driving absolutely insane. So we wrote down every time we had a problem with the software and, and for a client and what it cost us. Yes. When it got to $50,000, we sent it to the supplier and said, hey, look at this. <laughs> this is what's called trouble. And so it's sometimes just writing an exception register of what goes wrong in the business for, for at least a couple of weeks or whatever and valuing it makes it yep. really important to go fix it then. I love that. And we do that... Um, we call it a, a, lot, a little bit different. The bit we don't add in, I love the value on it, which helps you to then prioritize it as well. Because we we do a thing, it's almost like like an issues list. Yep. Where later on in the process, we when things pop up, it goes onto a list and then it appears on a, a team meeting where we discuss it and decide, is this a systems problem? How do we fix it? How important? Is it that is important it? even? Like, is it even yeah. worth having a two-hour conversation about what it's actually? Yeah. Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. So the, the, the process, at which is where do I start um, with the critical client flow, Get an A4 bit of paper. Anybody can do this. This is an exercise you can follow along with. I work for the, for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you're listening to this, I reckon. Um, in the top left-hand corner, write down your dream client, just in a sentence or two. Who is the person that pays your advertised prices, is a pleasure to deal with, refers friends and family? If you gave it 10 times the amount, 100 times the amount, you would be overjoyed. Write down who that person is. Next up, underneath that, go, what is the primary product or service that you sell to them first? Like when you first meet them, what is the great gateway to the rest of your business? So the ideal product that you'd like to sell them. Ideal product for that dream client as a starting point. Um, and then underneath that, now we map this linear journey that the business and the um, the, the customer goes through to have that delivered. We start off and at the top of the page, um, and you only want to capture what you're currently doing, not what you would like to be doing. Mm. 
And you, you start off with attention first. How do you get the attention of that dream customer? Maybe you get some referrals. Maybe you do some social media. Maybe you do some um, paid ads. Maybe you do some speaking or podcast, whatever it is. Just capture what you're currently doing to grab the attention of that dream client. Next, move down to the next row. Um, and in each, these just end up being little boxes. And in each box, you don't write more than a sentence, uh, sorry, more than about three or four words. Mm-hmm. It's just to capture what the essence of this is. Next one is- a Picture exercise. It's not a little picture exercise that I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is just to identify what are the important things in the business. Next one down is like, how do you handle an inquiry? Does the inquiry come in via the website or a phone call or a form or all of the above? Next one down, how do you qualify that lead? Is there any qualification process? Next after that, how do you sell them? Do you meet them on Zoom? Is there some sort of sales process? Is it in person? Next one down, um, how do you issue a proposal or issue out the next couple of steps? Then payment, do you take a deposit or... How do you kickstart the project? Then the next one down, how do you onboard that client? What is the onboarding process for getting them into the system, filling out the questionnaire, getting them into your project management platform, whatever that might be. Then how do you deliver the core product or service? This one, we try and keep really high level because we can go into detail in it later. And then finally, how do we hand it over and how do we um, get them to repeat or purchase something else or refer. Yep. But just starting off with that exercise on an A4 bit of paper, and if you in your head can go, if we could systemize this, and if we could make this be delivered with no person, like key person dependency, whether it's the business owner or anyone else, then the business could make money without depending on anyone. Mm-hmm. That's the holy grail. So now we kind of identify you know, there are loads of things you could systemize. You could systemize how to hire staff, how to onboard staff, how to do your finances, how to do management. Like there's tons of systems you could make, but just start off with let's systemize the way the business makes money. And that little That's exercise. That's a good place to start, right? I mean, you can have a, the most systemized business in the world, but you've got no customers. It's pretty boring in there. <laughs> 100%. And sometimes even going through this exercise, you'll get things will jump out at and you'll, you'll, and you'll go, if I'm only capturing what I'm currently doing, not what I'd like to be doing. And then you start filling out your attention and you've got all of these empty boxes and you're like, that's why I have no customers. I don't have any lead generation methods, no ways to well, grab. No referral them. method. Like we found that when we implemented the concept of asking for a referral at the end of the job, yep. you've got a chance of getting one. If you ask for it six yeah. months later or, you know, if you don't get it when they're hot, you'll never get it. Yep. And oftentimes, all of the problems that you have in your business, you can trace them back to a system issue. Mm-hmm. So another common one might be, oh, I've got these clients who always hop on the phone, they're following me up, they're a nightmare to deal with, they're these squeaky wheels. Nine times out of 10 in that situation, I can say, well, you don't have a proper client onboarding system that sets the expectations for the client, lets them know what's going to happen, when it's going to have to happen and how they should ask questions. They get stressed about it because they don't know what's happening next. That's what usually chasing up for. Exactly right. And, And there's so many problems. They can always be traced back to systems. If you're having financial cash flow issues, you don't have systems for the way that you're issuing invoices or following up debtors or um, the way that you, you get payments made, like everything is a systems issue. Mm. Some of them are documented, some of them aren't. The aim of the game is it's the 80-20. You use the critical client flow 
to identify the 20% that deliver the 80% of the result. As you go on and you get good at this and you start documenting beyond the critical client flow, then you create something like you said, it's almost like an issues list and you listen to what's going on in the business and then you determine, hey, this is a pain. We keep on getting really rubbish staff. Okay, well, we need to have a good staffing recruitment system. What are we doing there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, th- this is kind of the start of the process. I, when I, like a can of worms in some respects, isn't it? Like once you start this thing, you know, you can expect that, you know, you could probably knock it over in, a, in an hour, but the reality is it could change. You could spend the next 10 years getting it right from there, but it's, it's good. I think it's the best work you can ever do in your business, isn't it? 100%. And this is like a, a change in the culture. The goal here is, it never ends up being done really like you get some things done and then you want to get into the process and the habit of having the team go, Oh, this is an issue. Let's look at fixing the system. And if you recruit team members and you train them this process right up front, you actually end up really setting your business up for scale. Mm. And it's so much easier to insert some of this thinking in right at the start when you're in startup mode, and you're figuring this stuff out than it is to try and do it after the fact. If you're 20, 30, 40 staff at that point, trying to insert a systems culture in at that point in you time. Fire them all and start again. <laughs> Most, yeah. Just gets exponentially more difficult. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so it's this, yeah. I mean, the process of systemology first is... Um, We call it define, which is the critical client flow. We went through that now. Then there's a sign. The next step is how do we figure out where the knowledge is in the company, uh, preferably as much not the business owner as possible. Like if we can find someone else who already knows how to do the task, let's get the knowledge out of their head. Then step number three is extract. So then we have to make it a two-person job. And we touched on that earlier. And we make it easy to get that knowledge out. Step number four is organize. Then we want to put all of that knowledge in a central location that everybody can refer to and think about how that links in with your project management platform. Step number five, we call this one integrate. That's about how do you get buy-in from the staff? How do you meet resistance and overcome when staff don't follow the process and what that looks like? Step number six is we call it scale. That's how do you then identify the systems that are important to grow outside of the critical client flow? Because there are some other systems in other departments, like how do we find the 80-20 of those? And then the final step is the optimize. And I kind of feel like we've gone Mm. full circle right now because right at the start, we talked about McDonald's, which is optimized. And everybody starts with trying to optimize and make too much. (laughs) But I I say that's the last step. Mm. Capture what you're currently doing. Get all of your team following that process. McDonald's are still changing systems and processes to this day. Definitely. Like they are uh, evolution machines, like the way that they add in new product lines and little sub businesses and Mm. cafes. And um, they've tried tons of different things. Like that's part of their system is testing and refining and optimizing. Mm. But, you know, I remember watching the movie, the founder and that was yeah, all about, that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and they were talking about this, the story of uh, the McDonald's brothers and Ray Kroc and building up McDonald's. And I remember early on in the movie, when they were figuring out their systems for the first time, they went out onto a basketball court. They had some chalk and they mapped out the store and they said, Oh, 
Let's put the fryer here. Let's put the drive-through window here. Oh no, it's not going to work there. Let's put the drinks machine here. And there was that level of organic growth and change as they're trying to figure out the systems. They didn't start with slick documented processes that go down to minute detail. Sometimes if you do that too early too, you're going to screw everything up because basically you haven't thought it through properly anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of that. There's a story of a, um, it was a, I don't know what city it is in the US, but they basically, the way that they created what roads, where the roads would go is they looked at the paths that the cattle would go on and that it almost like they've trodden and found the most efficient and best routes. So they would follow that. And I remember hearing a university followed that same idea. They didn't put any paths in around to the buildings first. They watched to see where their students went and then they paved over to the tracks. It's really um, funny when you look at like the map of Australia, it's always intrigued me, right? When you look at the map of Australia, there's really in Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, they've got these really weird lines and stuff, right? And so I think the biggest problem there is obviously they map that out and it probably followed a mountain or something, whatever. Sometimes apparently, in, I was thinking Bill Gates said in, in Africa, they, they actually don't know these maps don't even exist properly because they actually go across rivers and all sorts of stuff. But in the rest of Australia, they just drew a line. It's yes. like, we have no clue what's over there. We'll just draw a straight line. Yes. And it's like, you know, it's like half Australia was like mapped and the other half was, oh, well, we'll just draw a line, should be sweet. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> I bet you these lines go through stuff that people don't even know about, right? Like, but, um, and, that, and that's kind of how it happens. Like, I think you're better, you've got to figure it out. That didn't work. Mm. We need to change that. That needs to move here. Like there's no point in doing some in-depth how-to document on how you enter this lead into your CRM platform only to find out later on that you changed that platform or you decided this does a bit extra automation and I didn't even need to create the system. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that, that, that is where a lot of uh, founders are when they're getting started and, and it's a real balance. Like you don't want to over-document in the early days you want to put some of this thinking in once you get to about four or five staff or contractors that you're working with, you, you want to start ramping it up a little bit. When you're less than five, keep it really light because you don't really know what you're doing yet and you're figuring out your way. Mm. Um, and you'll find your feet really, once you're at about 10 to 15 staff, that's when you really go, ooh, if I get this systems things right, it really has a big impact, let alone once you scale it beyond that, like it becomes a game changer. All, all businesses that have scaled have had to have inserted systems in some way. So mm-hmm. I, that's a big part of what I wanted to do on today's call is I suppose really just inspire someone to go, huh, maybe I need to relook at systems. Maybe they're not as stuffy as I thought they were. Maybe, maybe they're important. Mm. Yeah, the best paid work you'll ever get, I reckon. Always says systems is the best paid work you'll ever do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And try and just make it easier on on yourself. Like whatever works for you. It might be a simple checklist. It could be a loom. It could be a Zoom. It could be just get something stored in a central location. Start Start with something. I think the biggest thing that I did is in my business is we wrote checklists for everything. Like every time something went wrong, we'd add a checklist, we'd add to the checklist. And I think that's probably the best place to start. And my opinion is like, if you get a checklist on what you've got to do and then fill the gaps into that checklist. Because when somebody says, well, okay, you said to do this, I've no idea how to do that. Okay, now we know Now we know there's a problem there, we can fix it. And I always reckon checklist was the best way to start because you could, yeah. you could hand someone a piece of paper and say, okay, here, go do this. 
um, nowadays is a little harder digitally because obviously with remote working and stuff, the, the checklist is something that might have is have to be more digital. But same principle, it's just like a checklist of things to do. Um, and I think yeah, you're right. In the early days, when you said you know, people like structure, they don't want to not do something and will do it wrong, and then they won't do it at all. So the whole thing becomes a real problem when they actually think I didn't do that step because I don't think it's going to work. So why didn't you do that step? Because it's going to all stuff up. So why didn't know that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then explaining like when you map out the critical client flow and then you start to get some of these systems behind it, then when a new team member comes on board and you train and you teach them on the critical client flow, which is exactly what you were saying before, that's that whole idea of what happens before me, what happens after me, where do I fit in this machine? What What is it that I'm actually doing? It gives so much extra clarity, accountability, responsibility to the team and is a great way to kind of pre-frame as well. We have a way of doing things here. We have a process. This is where we start. Yes, we innovate. Yes, we change and evolve. But until you know the ropes, let's just start off with the way that we're currently doing. (laughs) The old plate's on, right? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. And I, I, I happened, I was quite fortunate to do some work with uh, Michael Gerber, who wrote the book, The E-Myth, um, and he actually wrote the foreword to the systemology book. Oh, nice. um, yeah. And I, I remember I one book thing. a few times <laughs> over the years. Yeah. It's an awesome book. Like yeah. what I loved about The E-Myth was it built the case for why systems. I feel like systemology is the how-to yep. and E-Myth is the why-to. Yeah. But it's half a book. It really gets. It, I used to give it out to clients in the early days and say, "Look, read this book, but please make sure you read it to the end, because the yes. first half of the book would scare the hell out of them, and they turn around and go, 'I'm not. I'm giving up.' I said, 'No, no, read the rest of the book. You'll see the section on as hard as you think it is. Right? That's right. <laughs> Point halfway through the book where you want to say, ah, that's I'm gone. I'm, I'm not going to do it.' <laughs> um, and that's it's it's natural for business owners to have that feeling because they're the visionary creative. Mm. The truth is, where the magic happens and where your business grows and scales is. That piece is critical. So boring stuff, really. It's the boring stuff that makes the money. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be repeatable. It's got to recurring. It's got to work without you. Mm. Uh, and that's how you grow and scale and finding the team members to help execute on that. But Michael said, uh, every business is a school. Mm. And this whole idea that you're taking unrefined labor, your students, your new team members, the ones that have their L plates on, and you're training them up and you want to get them in the least possible moves to be as productive and, you know, be able to deliver and give you an output that gets the client the result. Mm -hmm. So think of your business as a school and effectively the systems and the processes and the training, that's like the syllabus. That's Mm -hmm. what they have to learn. And as part of their study to, to become a great student in your business. Um, Yeah. So that's, I mean, that, that was a big part of what we wanted to, to cover today. I don't know if you've got any other particular I question great. i mean i think we could go on for another couple of episodes here but I think we'll have to wrap it up um yeah i think i think we're both on the same page here i think it really is the case of you know something that you really need to focus on i think to grow and i think at the end of the day if you don't do it then you have to do it at some point it's going to cost you more down the track than it is now um and i was even thinking about what i was doing i've got a hiring a new staff member just recently and and because we've been so protected in terms of not having a lot of staff members and contractors you know, I found that the, when I started with the staff member, I was like, hang on a minute, there's a lot of gaps here that we haven't focused on on time. So it's not something you just sort of get right and that's the end of it. It's like, hang on a minute, I haven't thought about onboarding for a long time. 
And so, and then that poor staff member is confused and then you lose them. Like they quit the day after they hire them and then you think, why do they leave? Mm. Scared, right? So I think there's a lot of things that can, can chase people off. And that was one of the ones we used to found. So, so I really appreciate you coming. And, and so the book's called Systemology. Yes. Um, so Jimmy, it's available on Amazon and all good yeah. books are sold. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, and if, uh, if you're a, an audio person because you're listening to the podcast, it's on Audible too. Right. So um, Michael uh, Gerber actually reads his own forward and his wife makes a cameo too. So oh, I see. Um, did a good job there. <laughs> that's right. Definitely check out the audio if you're an audio person. Yeah, and I think it's great. I mean, I try to go when I go for walks, I usually take an audio book and, and listen to it. So it used to be, used to be when I was a bit younger, and I used to drive around a lot, used to have the sort of audio university going on in the car, but it's, nowadays, my trip's not very fast. Let's go do it. Especially with lockdown these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can only get 5K lockdown. out. That's not really even half an audio book. Like, it's like right. 10 minutes into a book. So, so, um, so systemology.com's the, the yes. web, website, right? So we can, we'll put that up on the in the notes and stuff like that. I really suggest people have a look at that. I think it's a great way to move forward. And, and I think you've, you've, you really nail it there. You've really got you to do this stuff. Otherwise, you're not really a business person at the end of the day. <laughs> or an entrepreneur, let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on, John. Thanks for that. It was good fun. Thanks a lot. They'll talk to you again soon, I think. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Entrepreneurs. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.